Well, uh, uh, that uh, brief uh, blast is on the one hand encouraging just now, about uh, 12 seconds. But on the other hand, it's a bit of an exposure or indication of how weak our praising spirit has become. So brothers and sisters, uh, this morning I must tell you I have a very, very strong burden within me, and that is to recover the praise of the Lord in the local churches. To recover the hallelujahs. To recover the praise the Lord. To recover the Jesus is Lord. To recover to recover Christ is victor. Well, it's all a bit of a performance right now. But I pray the Lord will give us at least beginning today, not that this is everything, a start of a breakthrough. And it is long due. And I speak this morning not to all the churches on the earth, but specifically to the churches in Southern California. And as I speak, I must tell you that not only I'm full of the Lord's Spirit, But I also like to confess to you, I admit to you, and I hope this is the truth and a reality that I have right now. I'm full of Brother Lee's spirit, Brother Witness Lee's spirit. I believe if he's sitting here this morning, there's an empty chair there. I don't know whether he's here. But I believe if he is here, he will agree with what I'm talking about. Because my burden, brothers, is his burden. And if with my whole heart, I believe his burden is the Lord's burden. I do not say this in a boastful way. I do not set myself above the brothers. I have no such intention. I am just a small servant of the Lord and a small minister of the Lord's word. So I'm hiding in the body. This morning coming up here in my car, I said, Lord, the victory is yours. And I fight in the body as a member. I'm not going to stick my head out. I'm going to hide under you as my whole armor, together with all the saints. But I must tell you, brothers and sisters, Southern California in these United States is a special place to Brother Lee. I can share this with you without any kind of hesitation or any kind of doubt because I've heard him say that multiple times, sometimes in a larger congregation, and other times in smaller fellowship with a few brothers. Brother Lee, as the Lord led him, um, came to this country, an epic move in itself. Someone of his age, someone of his background, should not be doing that. 
It's not his business anymore. He's too old. He doesn't speak English well. He came to this top Christian country of the United States. But one thing he had, he had the Lord. And he had the Spirit. And he had the Word. So he came first time in 1958 and the third time in 1961. And by the third time he came, he was clear from the Lord that he should stay. He was constrained against his own desire, against his own will, because there's already a substantial work there in the Far East, particularly in Taiwan. In human terms, he's made it. But no, little did he know, there was a second phase to his ministry. A more glorious phase. A final phase that will give him another 35 years from 1962 to 1997. And in these 35 years, oh, the glorious things that has happened. Oh, the visions, the revelation that came forth from this ministry. Not only so, but by his coming out of that language of Chinese, which is a very complex and one of the, by pretty unanimous decision, one of the hardest languages to learn on the earth. He brought the ministry out of that language into the English language. More than that, the American English language, which is the universal tongue today. The Lord's recovery was 400 years in old Europe, the old world, beginning with the Reformation until the end of the 19th century with the brethren. But by then, the zenith has been reached of what the Lord was doing as part of his recovery of his church. To gain a remnant, to gain a people that would, in principle, take the position of overcomers against a fallen and degraded church. But by then, that zenith of the British brethren has waned. And they have fallen, had become Laodicean, according to the prophetic word in Revelation concerning the seven churches. And so, out of the blue, beyond human thinking, beyond logic, that flow, that stream, that divine stream that carried the Lord's recovery, leapt over half of the globe and went from old Europe with all its grandeur with all its great history of Christianity to a place called China where people worship ancestors and they revere people like Confucius and many professed religion is not even a religion, it's called Buddhism. To such a country, God chose And God raised up 
a young man whose name is Watchman Nee to listen to me, continue that current, that divine stream, that flow. No longer in Europe with all that history, but to a heathen country, a virgin soil, to raise up some young people, to take that recovery onwards. This is unbelievable. This really, really bothers the human mind to show you that God does not respect people like we do. God is sovereign. Who are you to say of this clay how the potter should mold it? He has full authority. He has full right. And this he did by raising up two young Chinese Christians. No seminary experience, no Bible college. They hardly finished four-year degree. They wouldn't have made FTTA. (laughs) But here they were, chosen by the Lord at the right time, at the end of this age, to become a corporate, as a twin, the ministers of this age, to carry forth the ministry of this age. Our brother Watchman Nee set the, laid the foundation and began the speaking, and our brother Witness Lee actually consummates and finish that speaking with a top stone, especially in the 90s. We call it today the high peak of the divine revelation. Here you have the revelation of the entire building of God, the entire work of God, more accurately, the entire total economy of the divine trinity. And brothers, that flow, had that pivotal moment, and that was in the early 60s when Brother Lee was sent here. But he didn't go to any other places. He went straight to Hollywood. You understand what I'm saying? Straight to this tinsel town, this ugly, immoral, terrible, worldly place of Los Angeles. And there he set up the center for his, or the station for his ministry. And that is upon upon or based upon already a start of the church light, a fledgling church called the church in Los Angeles. Just that year, in the mail of that year of 1962, a number of saints and a number of them, a large number of them were actually immigrants, brothers and sisters from the Lord's recovery from the Far East. They were in this little place called Westmoreland Chapel. Which has something to do with Austin Sparks over there in England. But they were clear that although these people sought spirituality. They were not clear concerning the oneness of the church. The ground of the church. Which is all too important for the testimony of the Lord. So for years they pray. They pray. Before the church started, they pray. 
I tell you, later on, Brother Lee said, he said, in the East and the West, all the churches I've been in, this is 1967, I've never been in one church, including churches in China. I've never been in one church like Los Angeles. A church that is full of prayer. Let me read it to you. I've seen many churches both east, the, the east and in both the East and the West. And I feel that the church in Los Angeles is the strongest in the spirit of prayer. The church has been newly raised up. That was just five years before he spoke this. <coughs> but his spirit of prayer is very strong. The church in Los Angeles began from prayer. From 1958 to 1962, when these small number of saints, no more than 30, began the testimony of the Lord in L.A., they sought fellowship from Brother Lee time after time, every time Brother Lee visited. You know what? Each time, Brother Lee Lee did not tell them, go ahead, do it. He never said that. Every time he said, brothers, pray. Pray. So for years, they couldn't do anything. They were anxious to start, but they had to pray. They were told to pray. Until in the spring of 1962, Brother Eugene Gruller Sr. from New York City, from the church in New York City, that has its new beginning, official beginning in 1958 in New York, came. And these saints sought him as a more senior brother and say, brothers, what do you think? And Brother Gruller said, since you are so clear, do it. Brother Brother Lee said, pray, but Brother Gruller said, do it. But that was the Lord. So the early saints always considered Brother Gruller an angel from New York. It was instrumental in the start of the church in L.A., my point is that in those years of conception, of pregnancy, those were years of prayer. The church did not come about quickly, loosely, lightly. The church came out of prayer. There was a prayer-born church. Not only so, after Brother Lee, during those times, after he heard about what happened in L.A., the Lord's move within him, he was up in the northwest... He struggled with the Lord for months. And later on he testified that never in his life he struggled that much with the Lord. As those few months. To leave the work in the Far East and to start afresh here in USA. And he did. He came around in late fall, October. November time frame to L.A. And there they had Brother Lee took the lead with two brothers and pray for 30 days. 30 days every morning for the Lord's move in America. Especially, specifically for the seeking ones in America. 30 days. Sometimes with fasting. And after that Brother Lee gave the first of his conferences in this country 
I shouldn't say the first of the conferences, if you get conferences elsewhere, but certainly a milestone conference, and that was the all-inclusive Christ. Those verses that Kurt read to us, Deuteronomy chapter 8, those few verses, he used those few verses and interpreted them and gave this full conference. And after that conference, it was year's end. And that was a time when he gave those messages that you can find today in the little book called The Divine Stream. And there you will see Brother Lee's own account of his struggle and how we trace this divine stream all the way to Jerusalem. That went to Antioch, that turned to Europe. And that went around from Europe, from country to country, ending up in England, Great Britain. And how, all of a sudden, that flow turned to China. And how in China, he was on the north, and Brother Ni was in the south. And Brother Ni asked him to come and join him, which means he has to leave and drop a burgeoning work of his in North China. But the Lord led him to see that in the Bible, there's only one flow. There's only one stream. And when he saw that, he dropped his work and he merged into this stream and moved to Shanghai to join Brother Watchman Nee. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, these are not just little stories I'm telling you. These are pivotal occasions and happenings all under the hand of the recovering and sovereign God to prepare things for his ultimate move on the earth. If Brother Lee had not joined Brother Lee, he would have been a very successful Chinese pastor. I guarantee you that. These brothers, their intellect, their person, their integrity, they would have actually risen to the highest position even in government. But no, they didn't do that. They chose to take the way of the cross. They chose to follow Jesus. They chose to take this humiliating way of persecution, of misunderstanding, of loss, the way into the kingdom. And the Lord mightily used them. As I mentioned already, in the first 30 years with Brother Ni, Brother Ni only spoke publicly for 30 years. Only 30 years. And today, this is a classic, life-changing ministry through his books. And after 30 years, when he was only 50, merely 50-something, he was in prison for 20 years, shut up in prison, where he died. I can only believe those 20 years, he entered into a higher ministry than even the ministry of the Word, and that is the ministry of prayer. Brother Lee was sent out, And the Lord's anointing was with him. The Lord's presence was with him. It is clear as a bell. And those years in Taiwan was, I would consider, transitional time. 
the 10 years until he came to this country. And there he began the second phase, the second stage of his ministry until he passed away. So today, most of that ministry are given in United States. There's some in Taiwan, some in this part of the world or that. But I would say 90%, 95%, including the wonderful life studies, were given in this country. Almost like he could not find a better audience than here. And I do not say this carelessly. And so much, and someone can do some checking of all his speaking, how much were given in Southern California. Half, over half. He had an audience here. Without that audience, his ministry would not have come out. And today, I would say we thank Brother Lee, we thank the Lord, of course. We also have to thank the churches and the older saints in Southern California providing that audience to bring the word forth. Southern California, therefore, to Brother Lee, was his home. He came back here. He went out, but he always came back here. He started here, and he passed away here. Most of his main messages with burden were given here. Right then, Ball Road. And before that, in Los Angeles. Brothers, he one time said, am I right, brothers from Anaheim? He said, Anaheim is my paradise. Did he say that? Anaheim, the church in Anaheim is Brother Lee's paradise. When I heard that, I got so jealous. Because I had just left Anaheim. I wish I was there when he spoke that. I would have felt better. But I had just left and went to Irvine. And then he said, maybe because I left Anaheim became paradise. <laughs> Possible. But I believe in Brother Lee's heart. It was not just Anaheim. He was always concerned for Southern California. You don't know behind the scene. How much through Living Stream Ministry gifts were given almost personally by him to help many new churches here, the meeting halls. I have the occasion to work with him on some funds, work funds to support co-workers, full-timers. I know. He poured himself out for the Lord's recovery as a whole, no doubt about it. But let me tell you, he poured himself out for us, the churches in Southern California. So this morning, I'm not here to kind of glorify Southern California. God forbid, I have no such feeling. But I'm speaking to the churches in Southern California. I must give you the history so that you would have an appreciation even of yourself. Before Brother Lee died, he was so burdened for the outworking of the God-ordained way. He had three years of training called the Vital Group Training, given here. His hope was that there would be a breakthrough in Southern California. 
with the working out of this. For the growth and for the increase and for the spread of the Lord's testimony. His threefold burden. Number one, that we would arrive in reality of the high peak of the divine revelation. Number two, that all the churches would have what he called the God-man living, which is really to live Christ. That we would be the ultimate testimony on the earth. A people in this city, in that city, in this church or that church, not living themselves, not living a religion, but living Christ as a corporate God-man. And thirdly, he liked to see this God-ordained way. Surely it is God-ordained, the scriptural way. To practice the church life, to preach the gospel, to shepherd the believers, to teach them and edify them and perfect them into their function, and finally, that all may build up the church by prophesying. These things, it was in Brotherly's mind and hope that here, right at his own backyard, could be worked out. But alas, it was not. We had just been through the greatest, biggest rebellion the recovery had experienced in the late 80s, lasting into the early 90s. And I could tell you for one, that to this day, I am filled with regret. And I told some saints, maybe in Kansas City, I'm filled with a sense of guilt that before he passed away, we, the co-workers, were not able to carry out his hope and his dream. But he said this, I am looking to the Lord that there would be a final revival. A new revival. The greatest revival. And by that he did not mean some kind of Pentecostal outpouring, speaking in tongues, miracles happen left and right. He did not mean that. He meant this. The classic definition of a revival is when God's people successfully work out what has been revealed to them. That is a revival. And so today, brothers and sisters in the churches in Southern California, our commission, our responsibility is this one thing. To work out what we have received. To work out what the Lord has given to us through his servants. In this threefold way. To me, I have nothing else to do on the earth until I die besides this. I have no other burden. I have no other, I feel, obligation except this. To work out what is in our senior co-worker's heart as he did as he felt towards watchman knee now brothers I've spent too much time just to cover this matter I have only 45 minutes to talk about praise and that is absolutely an inhuman thing I cannot do it 
But anyway, we're here. We have an outline here. I don't have the time to cover this outline. And I cover this outline already. It's in the audio and videotapes. So you can just go to LSM dot what? LSM webcast dot com. And you can find, the, find it there. Are you okay with that? But the spirit that is in this outline will still be my spirit. But I will speak extemporaneously. I will speak freely from my spirit. And of course, referring to this outline from time to time. I hope you, pay, you would give me your utmost attention this morning, brothers. This is a very, very important meeting. The brothers yesterday, indeed, in all the even first three messages in Kansas City, and you remember that was concerning the spiritual warfare of the church as the new man. Now that we have come to the new man, the highest description, the highest reality of the church. It is at this time that we can and we must enter into warfare, spiritual warfare, because ultimately in this universe, it is about a warfare. Now, I won't get into it. The battle of two wills. And with man in between, the creature. And today, God has produced, generated a new creation. So what the old man, Adam, failed, the new man will accomplish. And the first of that man is the head, Christ himself. He did it. Didn't he do it? This morning we're singing those praise songs because he did it. At the cross he say, before he dropped his head and expire, it is finished. And he's our head. And in resurrection, he regenerated us. From his side flow blood and water, we were regenerated, redeemed and regenerated. He was the first fruit, and we follow him. He was the firstborn, and we were all the many begotten in that great delivery called the resurrection of Christ. And we were begotten not just to be just his brothers, which we are. We became a sonship. We became the church. The corporate brother of our big brother. And this church will become the body of this head. This individual Christ. And together the head and with the body will smash Satan. Will deal with God's enemy. Will defeat the devil. And the result of all of this will bring in the kingdom of God to this earth. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the church's job. This is the church's calling. This is the church's commission. And that is to defeat Satan. To give him a resounding defeat. 
You go and read Psalms 8. The psalmist first praised God according to the splendor of this creator. This God is in the third heavens. He's worthy of, his, of our praise. Then he also, in faith, declared, How excellent is your name in all the earth. Wherever Christ is, wherever the church is, that part of the earth is excellent, is reclaimed. And today, we're still here reclaiming this earth bit by bit. That's why we're here. We're here to reclaim Southern California. Amen? Amen? We reclaimed Russia in 1991. At least we started. And now we're reclaiming Germany. Amen? Amen? We're reclaiming continent by continent, nation by nation, until we take over the whole earth. That is the Lord's blessing, the Lord's command in Genesis 1. That we are to multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Brothers, yes or no? Don't be shy. Don't be timid. And don't be tentative. We are here to take over the earth for Christ. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. But there's still a, in the gap, the middle part, it's called the air. That's where Satan still is operating. With the Avengers. With all the evil spirits. The power of darkness. But for this, we will refer the devil to Revelation chapter 12. It says what? The great dragon. Am I right? Satan. The accuser of the brothers. Is what? Is cast down from the air. Brothers... And sisters, today at the, as the church, we have a job to do. And that is to get Satan even out of his hiding place. And that is the air. Our warfare is not in flesh and blood, but with the principalities and powers. And that's why, dear brothers and sisters, we need special weapons. Even... The nuclear bomb won't do it. We need special weapon. May I say this? To blast the devil out of this universe and blast him into the lake of fire. Yes or no? You want him to still hang around? Like that roaring lion? Still all over the place? Devouring people? Snatching people away. We want him out of here. But we need a special weapon. What will you say that weapon is? 
Well, don't be so fast. <laughs> I'd like to tell you, when we talk about yesterday, talk about the army. You know, the brothers talk about the army, right? God's people should be an army. What came to my mind, of course, was children of Israel. They were a type, a full, a full type, a complete type. But I was especially reminded of what? Of Ezekiel 37. There you have an army. But it didn't start out as an army. It started out with a valley filled with dry bones. I mean, it's the furthest thing from an army. Just bones, dry, dead, disconnected, scattered, all over the valley. And so the prophet Ezekiel look at that and say, why am I in this place? Look at this impossible situation. It's dead, it's dry, it's gone, it's over. It's like the Arizona desert. With a few skulls there and bones. Can these bones live? He asked. The voice came, son of man, prophesy. Prophesy. Come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. And he prophesied. That means he spoke the word. My brothers and sisters, here's one weapon. That's called the word of God. We all have to get out of our feeling, get out of our environment, get out of our even sight. Because those things are not real. Those bones, it's impossible. The more you look at them, the more impossible it looks like. We need the word of Jehovah. And we need to re-speak that word of Jehovah by way of prophesying. Real prophesying is just re-speaking the word of God. And he did. And the dry bones, what? There was a rattling. There was an earthquake. And the bones came together. Bone. And then there was sinew put on them. Eventually flesh, flesh on them. And it says, they rose up an exceeding great army. That is a recovered army. And the Lord says, I will bring you into the good land. This army will take the land or retake the land. Clearly, the prophet there was prophesying about the return from captivity of the children of Israel. But more than that, my brothers, I want you to take note here. And that is this. That is a very clear picture to us. That the warfare today, the taking of the good land today, the army today, is entirely something of life. And entirely something pneumatic. I like to call this army a pneumatic army. It doesn't say they have swords, spears, M19s. It doesn't say anything. It just says they have the breath. The breath came into them. And they were filled. And they rose up a mighty army. 
I like to say something to all the saints in all the churches in Southern California. And this is something in my heart for the longest time. You know what we need today, saints? What the churches need now more than anything is the Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of life. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit. The sevenfold intensify spirit. We need the spirit today, brothers and sisters, to intensify us. And it is with this that we fight. Don't think we will fight with anything else, flesh and blood. It is the spirit. The more we fill with the spirit, the more this new man is of the spirit. The more this army is pneumatized, I tell you this army is ready to fight. And I give you two more examples to prove the point. Number one, in Ephesians chapter 6, there is talk about the warrior. Am I right? Notice, in the full armor of God, which is all Christ, all the items are all passive. Defensive, I should say. You know, the shoes, the breastplate, even the shield, and the... uh, Headpiece or the helmet, all are for defense. There's only one offensive weapon, and that weapon is what? Receive the Spirit. Uh, The sword of the Spirit. Which Spirit is the Word of God by means of all prayer and petition, praying at every time in Spirit. My point is this. Our weapon, our weapon is the Spirit. Our sword is the Spirit. I would even say the Spirit Word. Actually, this Word, brothers and sisters, this is the Spirit in reality. That's why we pray read. To get the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. This is not just letter. Black and white. The essence of God's word is God breathed. It is God's breath. And that breath is what will make us an army. You see this? That's Ephesians 6. Let me give you one more. And that is in Revelation. Is it? When Christ war with the Antichrist. Is that chapter 19? It says, you know, that's the bridal army. Am I right? The army is there. And it says, this one whose clothes are dripped in blood. Am I right? On his thigh is the word of God. This Christ, it says, he will slay the Antichrist. By what? By the breath of his mouth. By the... What comes out of his mouth. You see even with the Lord. It is the spirit. That slays the enemy. That defeats the enemy. Now brothers and sisters. I know. I'm spending quite much time. Not even talking about praise. But I want to kind of. Set things up here. So that you can really appreciate this. Dear ones. Dear ones. In my heart, 
I have this prayer constantly, constantly. Maybe because I had a history back in the old days in L.A. Maybe because I spent too much time getting into that history myself as a project. Could be. But in my heart is, Lord, you must restore the kind of impact, the kind of morale, the kind of strength, the kind of power as we experienced back in the Elden days and then more than that. I read to you in Kansas City some verses, uh, some utterance by our brother Lee, recalling fondly that spirit of prayer in L.A. I didn't even finish. The church in Los Angeles began from prayer before the saints took ground. Several brothers gathered together to pray daily. One brother lived about half an hour from there, from where they gathered to pray, he would rise up at five in the morning to make it to the prayer time. These brothers continued in prayer for two years. Shortly after they began to meet, we visit them in order to strengthen the atmosphere of prayer. That's we did not focus, listen, on preaching the word. I've never seen a local church with such prayer, a prayer meeting. In the meeting, there were no announcements or singing, only prayer. During the three years that I was in Los Angeles, the saints also would fast and come together to pray every New Year's Eve. These prayers were not only answered by God, but they also brought in the Spirit in a strong way. The more they pray, the stronger their spirit became. The more they pray, the more active their spirit became. This is the strength of that church. Another place, this is given... In the 90s, by Brother Lee, the 90s, not the 60s. At one time in the 1960s, when we were in, the Los, in Los Angeles in Eldon Hall, our prayers were very short. Sometimes we had over 200 in our prayer meeting. Each saint would pray one sentence, and we were like one person praying together. We coordinated together in our prayer, and there were no long prayers. In the 1960s, we were in Eldon Hall, another message. In Los Angeles, at least 70 to 80% of those who attended the Lord's Day morning meeting also attended the prayer meeting. Today, maybe 10%, 20%, 30%. That would be actually very good. In those days, 80, 90%. And I witnessed that with my own eyes. Why could we have such a high highly attended meeting at that time, but not today. When we met in Eldon Hall, another message from 90 to 100% of the saints were in the prayer meeting. Now less than one-fourth attended many of the church prayer meetings. Years ago, when the saints were still meeting in Eldon Hall in Los Angeles, they came together for a prayer meeting and pray-read the entire book of Ephesians. The saints who were in that meeting testify how wonderful it was My dear brothers and sisters, I don't speak this nostalgically and try to bring us back to the good old days half a century ago. You know what? I believe in all of my heart. The Lord wants to do something much more glorious than 50 years ago.
And you and I can be part of that. But we need to be joined together to become one army in Southern California. Not just 50 churches, but one army, one pneumatic army rising up to fight for the Lord's interest. So here I speak already concerning the first part of this outline. And that is called the prayer of the age. Today, brothers and sisters, if we want to fight this spiritual warfare, ask the new man. We have to pray this prayer. We need the spirit of prayer recovered. And this prayer, this prayer is our weapon. Now, I don't have the time to get into all the details, but I would just like to say this one thing. And that is, we need to pray, not in a begging way, not in a merely asking way. There are times for asking. There are times for pleading. There are times for petition and supplication. But the prayer of the age that we're talking about here is the church sitting in the heavenlies in the position of victory, one with the head himself. And there we don't beg. There we don't even ask. There we're in a position to claim and proclaim. To claim all that he, the head, has attained and obtained through his death, through his human living, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through his enthronement, all that he has attained and attained, we claim that. And we proclaim that, especially in the face of the enemy. That's why we pray read the book of Ephesians. Because we're there to declare the facts. Not our feeling, but the facts. I just wish the churches here all would experience a revival in our prayer meeting. Not only numerically, in numbers, but in strength, in power. And that is with such strong and exercised spirit by all the saints. Standing in the right position, and that is the position of victory. And declaring that victory and what the Lord has done. And even declaring the destiny of the devil himself. How about in the churches we will not have 20%, 25% come? How about at least 50% of the saints come? How about more than 50% of the saints come? To pray. I think it's possible that even some of our prayer meetings are so discouraging that even people stop to come. It's weak. It's... It's flat. It's not encouraging. It's not victorious. It's not triumphant. And now, this is a good point for me to quickly go to the other weapon. Prayer is a weapon for our fight 
for our battle. There's another thing here called praise. I don't even know whether to call it a weapon or not. If it's a weapon, it is a weapon that celebrates victory. When we pray, we're still warring and battling. When we praise, we signal that we are in victory. The victory is won. And so, all the churches need to become praising churches. There's a lot in this outline, outline six, concerning the matter of praise. How that this praise that declare the Lord's victory in Brother Nee's word is the highest work carried out by God's children. Now, instead of going through this outline, I'd like to cite examples for you this morning of praise related to the warfare. I think the first one that would come to mind is certainly after Pharaoh and his hosts were drowned. Remember that? Under the Red Sea. And they were on the other side. And what happened? They sang the song of Moses. Do you remember that? Where where is that? Chapter uh, 15 or something like that. Right? And... They sang this song of Moses, and I don't have time. I will sing to Jehovah. Say amen. Amen. For his, he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has cast into the sea. Yah, that means Jehovah, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Jehovah is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. And he talked about Pharaoh's chariots being thrown into the sea, drowned in the sea. The deep waters cover them. They went down to the depths like a stone. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, warfare is related to singing and praising. Be sure. A church that does not praise or sing is a church that has hoisted a white flag. You are still a church. You're still keeping up a church life. But there's a white flag on the top. That means defeat. That means surrender. No. All the churches should have another kind of color. Amen? Should have another banner. We're an army with banners. What banners? Victory banners. So all the churches cannot just be pretty. You have to be terrible. Ferocious. Fearsome. Dreadful. Amen? I have not seen such a church for a long time. I've seen happy churches. I've been okay churches. But I have not seen for a long time. Victorious. Overcoming. Churches that is declaring. Singing. 
for some time. What is another case? Another case would be taking the good land, Jericho. You remember Jericho? You remember how they took Jericho? I mean, yeah, sure, they had, they had some spears and a few uh, uh, shields and some swords. You know what? They used them later on. They, used, they did use them to slay everything in Jericho. Everything. Men, women, cattle, everything. Except for Rahab and his, her household. But everything killed. So they need the sword. But you know what? They did not defeat Jericho by their sword. But by going around that city seven times. By what? Blowing the trumpet with the priests in the lead. I mean, that is a crazy army. That is like a joke. If I am in Jericho. What a joke this is. But by the seventh time, Jehovah told Joshua, tell the men, the whole nation, the, all the people, to shout when the horns are blown. And that they did. In a mighty shout, let me tell you, that city collapsed. Just collapsed. And they went forward and took it over. And that city was so bad that today it is just eradicated from the face of the earth. Dear saints, how do you fight in the churches? How, how do you fight? How do we fight? You see, sorry, I'm not here to denigrate anyone. I'm not here to uh, discourage anyone. But dear saints, the fact is this. Our spirit, our spirit is not as strong as it should be. The praying spirit and the praising spirit is not as strong as it should be. Not like in the old days. Brothers, we need to praise the Lord. Amen. To defeat the enemy, Jericho, is to by praising. Then, we have the case of what? We have the case of... Uh, uh, is it in Chronicles? Huh? It is in Chronicles, right? Oh, Second Chronicles, sorry. They were, Jehoshaphat, they were fighting uh, the enemies. And it says, they, what they did, they, he appointed again the people to go and give thanks in holy array. They were marching, but they were not doing anything except they were singing and giving thanks to Jehovah. And they're saying, give thanks to Jehovah for his loving kindness endures forever. What an army is this? Let me tell you, it is pneumatic. They were just praising. Praising. And it says, when they began to shout in song and praise, Jehovah set ambushes for the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And who were coming against Judah, and they were struck. The point is, when they start shouting and singing and praising, 
Jehovah struck. Dear brothers and sisters, the warfare belongs to God. The battle is the Lord's. We're here merely following him as the commander in chief, as his army. Actually, he does the fighting. We do the singing. We do the praising. In all the churches, we should be filled with praises. Urging him on. Amen. Amen. Giving him a drink. Amen. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, let Southern California be filled with praises once more. Let all the churches be churches of praise. In all the ivory palaces, let praise rise to you. The local churches should have the characteristic of praise. Praise the Lord. When we see one another, praise the Lord. Lots of hallelujahs. I haven't heard hallelujahs so, so much anymore. It's like, a, it's a, a brother, don't get too, too excited, you know. Uh, brother, you, don't get so wild. And, and even all of us are now even trained to be so gentlemanly, I find, starting with the co-workers. So proper, so nice. Sorry, so defeated. Me included. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anyone. Me included. Brothers, if you see this, you realize we are off. We don't have enough air. We are not pneumatized, intensified. Only the Spirit can do this. And I'll tell you these days, we need to pray until we fill with the Spirit. We need to pray read until we're full of air. And I'd like to add something more. Do something new. Do something called praise read. Don't just pray read. Praise read. You, you, you read something, you praise the Lord. In the beginning was the Word. Praise the Lord. And the Word was with God. Hallelujah. And the Word was God. Amen. How about that? If you do this, you'll be filled with air. Even today, our morning watch, our kind of prayer reading has no air in it. In fact, sometimes when you put the thing in and if you pump, do not pump the air in, the air actually comes out. It leaks. It's called morning leak. <laughs> Brothers, something is wrong. I'm very burdened. And I don't say this in a wild, unthoughtful way. It was not so. And we go on. I, I don't have the time. Uh, this, I, I, I want to talk to you about the Psalms. Psalm 2, Psalm 5, Psalm 8 that we sang. Psalm 45, brothers and sisters, Psalm 45. In praise to the Lord. Psalm 68, talk about rising up. Talk about battle. And Psalm 98 and many more Psalms that didn't just talk about praise. It says, make a joyful noise. When is the last time we have a noise? 
a noise, a discernible. And then you come to the end of Psalms. Have you, have you, have you read the, the last Psalm? Have you read Psalm 150? You know the last five Psalms is not, all starts with hallelujah and ends with hallelujah. And Psalm 150 gives you ten ways of saying hallelujah. Ten ways of praising the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the expanse that manifests His power. On and on. Praise Him with a blast of trumpet. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with string instruments and types. Praise Him with loud cymbals. And the last verse. Let everything that has breath praise Jehovah. And, and it ends with one word. Hallelujah. That's the end of Psalms. You know, brothers and sisters, in our prophesying meeting, which we all are practicing, I'd like to remind you of one thing, which Brother Lee told us. And that is in uh, chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, verse 26. Am I right? Whenever you come together, each one has. I'd like, to, I'd like you to think about what is the first thing that you should have. It's not a revelation. It's not a teaching. It is a psalm. The first thing we should do, even when we prophesy, is to have a psalm. And a psalm is for both singing and speaking. But singing or speaking, it is offered for praise. A poetic praise. So I like to see Lord's Day morning, our prophesy meeting, start with psalms. Start with praising. Start with singing. I tell you, then the revelation comes. The teaching comes. Because the Spirit is there. The New Testament. I don't have the time. You know, you, you, we, 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 the brothers talk about so many things in the, in the New Testament. Even the Lord prays and exalt the Father. And the first church, it says, day by day, house to house, they met together and they were full of praise. They weren't just eating food together. They were praising and having favor or grace with all the people. That church life, if you can, in your mind's eye, you can just see it's just a lot of praises. And Paul and Silas, midnight, after they pray, while they pray, they broke into song, they broke into hymns, and they sang. It's only when they sang when the earthquake happens. When the chains fell off, when the prison doors were, were opened. But I don't have the time. I just have to quickly, quickly come to what? Come to the last book of the Bible. You know the book of Revelation is a book of praise. And you can see it in your outline. Again, I don't have the time, my dear brothers and sisters. In chapter what? In chapter 5, you have the praising in this universe of the 24 elders and the four living creatures representing the, all the angelic beings and all the created other created beings praising the triune God. Uh, 
And in chapter 7, chapter 7, you have more praises. I don't have the time. I'm so sorry. The first one is to praise the Lamb that he has triumphed to open the, to open the scroll. In chapter 7, you have another praise there at the throne. And then at the, in chapter 14, you have the early overcomers praising the Lord there. And then at chapter 15, you have the late overcomers singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb praising the Lord. And then you have chapter 19, also with the uh, uh, fall of Babylon, praising the Lord. And particularly in chapter 19 here, I have to go there. It says, after these things, I heard as it were a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah. The salvation and the glory and the power are of our God. And the second time they say, hallelujah. And her smoke goes up forever and ever. That's, that's the great Babylon. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits upon the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And verse 5, And the voice came out from the throne saying, Praise our God. And verse 6, it says, And I heard as it were, voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty thunder saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Dear saints, I exalted my, my words, my energy this morning. I just say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and not just, you know, praising the Lord. Uh, eventually we need to praise the Lord for this, for that, so many things. But the simple way to praise the Lord is what? Even when we say, oh Lord, Lord Jesus. Do you know that is a praise? Because you call him Lord. Your knee is bowing. And you proclaim, Jesus Christ is Lord. So when we say, Lord Jesus, we're praising him. He is the Lord. He is to be praised. Oh Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord. The church is to be full of, full of this kind of word, full of this kind of speaking. And you know what? Another way to do, let, let's follow the revelation, is amen. I find these days in the churches even the amen is kind of weak and tentative and tepid, tepid, lukewarm. Why don't we say amen? Amen. 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 Brothers. You see, we need to go to the gym. We need to exercise our praising spirit. Our, 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 our praising organ. Our praising muscles. Make them strong. Make them muscular again. Make us those people who praise the Lord all the day long. David praised him seven times. Let's praise him 70 times. Let's outdo David, shall we? Let's enthrone Jehovah upon our praises. And when we praise the Lord, the victory is won. 
Satan is defeated. The devil is in the lake of fire. The earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof. Shall we do this in the churches? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is the Lord. And brothers and sisters, don't just do it here. Go back and do it. I like to see a revolution, a revival, a cooperation with the Lord. This is not just, uh, uh, you know, you know, doing this and, and whatever. No, you can do all this all day long. Doesn't mean anything. I tell you, it is the breath. It is the spirit. It is the pneuma that will slay the enemy. That will defeat him. So brothers, don't moan. Don't groan. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Lift up your eyes and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He he is worthy to be praised. Amen? You say, I didn't get a paycheck, a pay increase. I have no reason to praise the Lord. You are more than wrong. Even today you, you get a pink slip. You should praise the Lord. And that you will be in victory. If all the local churches would become praising churches, the whole situation will change. I tell you, when we are like this, with our spirit not only exercised, but released in His presence, I tell you, the gospel will go out. And it will go out with power. In Psalm 68, it says, even the women publish the good tidings. In Psalm 8, it says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have established strength. That means praise. Whenever it talks about the warfare, God likes to talk about the weak people. The, fem, the, the, the female. Those who are nothing. Those who are babes. And it is out of the mouth of these ones, God will establish praise to the shame of his enemy. And to the shame of our adversary. So brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. Every local church in Southern California, praise the Lord. Let Southern California be a model of praise in the Lord's recovery. Amen? Amen? Come to the prayer meeting and praise the Lord. Come to the Lord's table and follow the firstborn and praise the Father. And start the prophesy meeting with a song and praise Him. We will be in a situation of victory. This is how we fight the spiritual warfare as the one new man. All right? I'm done. I'm done. I tell you, the word and prophecy will not last forever. It says so in, in 1 Corinthians 13. Let me tell you, even prayer will not last forever. One thing will last till eternity. One thing will never cease. One thing will endure to the, in eternity. That is called praise. That is called singing. That is called worship. Praise the Lord. That is what will last. And let's start now. Today on the earth, 
May the churches take the lead. Joining the heavenly hosts to give God the glory. And when we say praise the Lord, Satan will flee. He's not afraid of H-bombs, A-bombs, any kind of bomb. He's afraid God's children praising the Lord. And we're going to do exactly that. Because because we want him out of here. Out of the air. In the lake of fire. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of our Christ. Brothers and sisters, let's praise him back. You know the way to bring him back? Praise Him back. So now let us all have some praises.